us, it's about investing in the growth of our folks. That to me, I mean, that the data shows it, right? The reason why people stay within organizations, the reason why we have such great uh, uh, retention rates here at Suzy, especially during the great resignation, we call it, I call it the great reset, but um, is because we're investing in our folks. And I think we're, we're gonna double down on that this year. Martech Scale-Up Suzy has been making waves in the US tech scene since it was founded in 2018. Many of the biggest brands in the world use Suzy to deliver breakthrough products and experiences backed by data-driven decisions, which is fantastic, but it wasn't the customer side of things we wanted to dig into. Suzy has also been recognized on Forbes' list of America's Best Startup Employers 2021, Inc. Magazine's Best Workplaces in 2021, and built in NYC's Best Places to Work in 2022. With ambitious growth goals on the horizon, their journey is showing no signs of slowing down. In this episode, we speak to Susie's founder, CEO Matt Britton, and the Chief People Officer, Anthony Anisto, to understand how they've built an award-winning place for their team to work, their learnings along the way, and what achieving 70% headcount growth this year looks like in reality for them. I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. Here it is. Matt, Anthony, really pleased to be speaking with you both today. Um, thanks very much for joining us, really appreciate it. Matt, start with you, for our listeners, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Um, let's see, I've been a lifelong entrepreneur. Um, I spent the majority of my early part of my career in the advertising industry. I started an agency called Mr. Youth back in 2002, which is really at the dawn mm-hmm. of digital era, helping large brands target teens and college students uh, with a variety of different at that point, what was considered innovative tactics like banner ads, um, <clears throat> was fortunate enough to be um, in the marketing and digital marketing space when Facebook was invented in 2004. And my agency really doubled down on social media marketing and uh, really built one of the first major social media marketing agencies, rebranded as MRY, and built that agency for about 12 to 13 years, at which point it was acquired. Uh, but before that, spun out a software company called CrowdTap, which will later become Suzy. So um, I've been part of this continual business journey, uh, which has evolved into Suzy now uh, for a good part of the last 20 years. Um, and it's been a great ride. Uh, personally, I live in New York uh, with my wife. I have three kids and, uh, you know, I'm just enjoying the journey. Good. Excellent. And Auntie, it'd be great to hear your story too. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, always Love hearing that story, by the way. Um, so mine is a little bit different. Um, I actually am a failed accountant. So I have a degree <laughs> in accounting from, from college. Uh, and the first company I worked for as an accountant uh, told me I wasn't good at it. So they fired me. So changed my my career trajectory uh, basically into human resources. So uh, I went back to the recruiting firm and I said, listen, I don't really... I'm not really good at accounting. I don't really like it. And they said, oh, why don't you do recruiting for accountants? And and that was it. And I I got bit by the recruiting bug uh, and started doing recruiting for startups during the big dot-com push many, many years ago. So I was in there recruiting. And then I would also provide these smaller companies with HR services. So it was like coming in and being like an interim head of HR for these really small but fast growing startups. And that's when I was bit by the startup bug, Uh, even after the dot-com bust, (laughs) boom and bust, uh, then the mobile boom and bust, uh, and and just been really scaling early stage startups 
Um, the largest uh, startup I've ever scaled was Fresh Direct here in the city. Uh, I scaled it from about 40 people to 3,000. Um, wow. Built an HR operation around that um, and and did so many really interesting. I uh, was part of the first company to do the first video on mobile phones. If you can imagine the, the amount of mo mobile video we have, we were the first yeah. company to actually stream video on mobile phones. So really thinking and, and being a, a strategic partner to folks like Matt, entrepreneurs like Matt, uh, and just loving the creative space and the innovation space um, and was connected to Matt. Matt and I had known each other um, when he was at Mr. Youth, uh, his agency. I was with a uh, another agency called Big Fuel, who was run uh, by Avi Savar, one of Matt's good friends. And we were connected um, and we had lunch and he told me all about his plans for Susie. They had just pivoted from, from CrowdTap and, and basically the sky was the limit. Uh, and I was, uh, I was really excited about the vision Matt had. I, I was really excited about the company you know, SaaS, uh, particularly in the enterprise space in New York, there were a few, you know, really strong players. Um, I really thought Suzy could make a difference, not only in New York yeah. now, of course, globally. And so been with Suzy for, I think in, in, uh, in February will be four years. So uh, an amazing ride thus far and, and really excited. The, uh, the future is really ahead of us and, and really excited about the next couple of years here. Sounds like you've both done a lot, but time has flown though. Um, sort of, um, it made me have a bit of a flashback when talking about first video on mobile phones. It's scary how long ago that was. Anyway, before I go down the wrong rabbit hole here um, and segueing on really quite neatly. So, Matt, could you tell us a bit about Susie? Um, and I'd really love to hear what you feel your mission is for the, the organization. Sure. So Susie is a enterprise software platform. Uh, it's a two, essentially a two-sided marketplace where we have a network of over a million consumers who live on a gamified application called CrowdTap. Uh, those consumers are rewarded for answering questions um, on behalf of our brand clients. Uh, so you can download the app. It's a kind of fun gamified experience where you can just answer a variety of different questions, way to you know monetize your downtime, as we like to say. Um, on the flip side of the, of the CrowdTap side is an enterprise software product called Suzy. Suzy is licensed by over 400 uh, major organizations, corporations uh, from around the world to essentially empower direct-to-consumer market research. Um, users at large enterprises across the product development lifecycle, whether it's innovation, um, advertising, uh, R&D, even customer experience or uh, merchandising or retail marketing, um, have the ability to use this tool to target a variety of consumers by thousands of different uh, you know, targeting parameters and get instant on-demand feedback to any concept or idea. So essentially, we are disrupting the market research space, a space that has been for a very long time, um, you know, taken up by sleepy legacy incumbents who have not innovated at the pace of digital, who don't have their own technology, who don't have their own data. And we're coming in, providing a better, faster, more efficient experience to these marketers and brands who right now, more than ever, have to listen to consumers to help drive their decision making. Yeah. And it's, it's really evident when you look at the, I was looking at your website earlier on, and when you see some of the sort of high profile clients that you've actually got that are linked into this, then you must be doing some some very good things there. So um, excellent. And, and Anthony, you've been with Susie since 2018, you were saying. So you've seen the company go through huge, huge amounts of growth. Um, what's that journey look like for you so far? 
Well, I, I can tell you, I didn't have any gray hair before. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> gray hair started way before. Um, you know, there's a great example. So we, we partnered with a company called Gaping Void when I first started, and they have this cartoon of the entrepreneurial journey. And it's really one of my favorites. It's like, you know, oh, oh, crap, oh, crap. You know, it's actually, you know, a different word, a, a New York word for crap. But it's, and then it's like, hell yes, right? So it's that kind of journey where everyone thinks it's like a hockey stick. It's more about these fluctuations, right? Still growing, but the opportunity, it's, and, and a lot of it is change, right? It's, it's thinking about, always innovating, like Matt talked about, there's a lot of players, particularly in our industry that don't do it, but even on the on the people side of things, like thinking of innovative ways of building, and, and some of it is innovation, and, and frankly, some of it is just really blocking and tackling, like really basic things. Often people think about scaling companies, they think there's some silver bullet, right? They think that there is some technique in recruiting. And the fact of the matter is, the secret is it's it's actually basics. It's no different than scaling Absolutely. your sales and your marketing. You know, it's, it's no different in that, you know, you have to have great recruiters that are reaching out to the best talent. You have to have fine ways to qualify. Again, nothing very different than what Matt and the sales team are doing on the, on the sales side. So, you know, it's, it's an incredible journey. Like to me and working with someone like Matt, who has given me really great autonomy, you know, here's the vision, here's the priorities, you know, your, your stakeholders are the people and giving me the runway to say, okay, do what you need to do to hit these goals. It's just been an incredible, incredible journey for us. And, and, you know, four years seems like a lot in, in startup years, it's probably six months, you know, it's, we're, we're just getting started. Like Susie, you know, we're starting to get brand awareness. We're, we've always had brand awareness on the on the business side, but on the talent side, we're now becoming, you know, 2021, we were Inc. Magazine Best Workplaces. We're going for that again in 2022. We just got built nice. in. Like, we are just hitting our stride here at Suzy, and it's just like, it has just been an incredible journey, uh, and, and our future's ahead of us, and I'm excited about that. Excellent. I mean, I mean, it, it looks like you're almost about 300 employees strong at the moment. And you mentioned about the, the Inc. Magazine's best workplaces for 2021. So congratulations on that. That's um, these things are never easy accolades to get. You need to need to have done something right there. So I suppose the next question I'd like to ask is how is your approach to scaling teams evolved throughout your growth journey? And, and Matt, I'd probably like to hear your thoughts on this one. Well, I mean, our approach is largely driven by our fundraising. You know, we are a company that is fueling our growth through the funding of, of venture capitalists. Uh, we have some great venture capital partners uh, that have uh, decided to invest in the company, like uh, Foundry Group and Row Capital Partners and HIG Capital. Um, and with each new round of funding that has come in, um, our kind of goalposts has changed, so to speak. Uh, the expectations mm -hmm. of the company uh, and our growth ambitions have expanded and that has impacted our hiring trajectory. Uh, it's made us hire in some instances more rapidly. It's made us think about different skill sets that we need to expand our remits with customers. Um, and it's made us create new departments and look for new special specialties that maybe we hadn't in the past. So with each new round of funding, our business plan is expanded and that obviously expands our hiring our hiring trajectory. Absolutely. And I think when you when you're in this sort of startup zone and you're right what you said about the four years being six months with things changing and growing and 
getting more challenging depending on the market. And, and I suppose that leads me to the next question, which Anthony, so what, what does 2022 have in store for Susie from a people perspective? And what do you think are the key initiatives and focuses that are going to be for you? Yeah, I think, you know, over the past four years, um, having scaled organizations, it was about getting the foundation set correctly, right? So thinking about not only Susie as a, you know, when I started and, and Matt brought me in early on, I think most startup founders would wait to a certain pivot point uh, to bring in a CPO with, with my experience. And Matt had the foresight of looking at this and going, okay, we need to invest. So we did a lot of foundational things. We put in a lot of foundations to make sure we scale. Now it's all about delivering on those things, right? Making sure in 2022, you know, we, we've put in so many awesome benefits to be competitive, not only within our space, within the larger companies that we're going after and finding talent, right? So we need to be in parity with those folks. So 2022 is about adding and what we call the year of elevation, right? So again, a lot of companies believe it's, it's so funny. I got a note today about uh, writing an, an article about something and some companies are giving out Rolex watches to, to compete <laughs> for talent. And, and it's just the wrong way to think about these things. For us, yeah. it's about investing in the growth of our folks. That to me, I mean, that the data shows it, right? The reason why people stay within organizations, the reason why we have such great uh, uh, retention rates here at Suzy, especially during the great resignation, we call it, I call it the great reset, but um, is because we're investing in our folks. And I think we're, we're going to double down on that this year. We're going to make sure that our folks are trained, that at a, at a company level, we provide training at a leadership level. You think about you know, we are now fully remote organization when COVID hit. Uh, our leaders in HR, we always knew the leaders, the direct leaders of employees were important pieces of the organization. Now they're critical, right? Like they are before where employees would have to go into an office and they would see Matt, they would see me. They're not seeing us on a regular basis. They're seeing their direct leader, their direct manager. And so investing in our leaders, investing in our employees is a huge issue for us. So uh, I don't think we'll have free Rolex is any anytime in the near future <laughs> here at Suzy, I'd rather spend it on learning and development. I'd rather spend that money on elevating our employees because there'll be not only impact for them, but impact for our business. We we only get better as we elevate our employees. And so 2022 is really we we call it the year of elevation and and that's really what we're focused on. And with that, when you look at that sort of growth trajectory that you've had earlier on, you talked about having sort of the basics in place to get things right. So I think you're right. People do over-engineer or overcomplicate. Um, you've mentioned L&D and some of the investments you're looking at now. What, what for you are the right basics that have um, resulted in the success you've seen? Well, I think it's, you know, for... It's, it's really structural basics, right? So making sure we have an organization like Matt talked about, we have the right departments, we have the right leaders in those departments. Um, those are the basics, right? We, making sure that we're hiring the right folks, that we're continuing to build out our culture, right? With every hire, it's a risk of, of culture. Uh, and so making sure that we have those things in place, make sure we have the right hiring processes, right? Um, the right hiring tools, uh, the right HR systems, like the basics, the architecture of these things. Uh, and then adding on top of that, all the things that we need to, to elevate our employees. And so for me, the basics, you know, it's, we think of things, or at least I think of things as people, process and technology, right? So ensuring we have the right people, but of course the right organizational design, and that's ever, ever changing. 
right? There's some staples like finance and accounting and, and HR, but for us, there's some, you know, we have some new departments uh, within our organization that are six months old that are starting to just sort of, um, you know, formulate themselves and, and really provide value into the organization. So it's organizational design, it's the structures of our systems, getting all that stuff right. And just making sure, you know, we pulse our employees. Uh, a lot of companies will pulse or, or survey their employees every year. We do it every two weeks. We're, you know, in, in the way that Susie goes out into the consumer base in real time and gets feedback for our clients and, and big brands, we're doing that at Susie. We, we kind of, I think they call it drinking, you know, your own champagne or eating your own dog food, whatever metaphor you like. But we're really trying to get data and, and really drive the decision making based on what our employees are telling us. And there's a balance of that, right? Like you're not, you're not providing everything that they're asking for, for, for a certain degree, but you're, you're really trying to align the program around that. That's good. That's, that's great to hear that you're, you're taking that approach quite similar to us as well, as far as that sort of insight and employee feedback is concerned. It's, um, it's invaluable. Um, so there must have been a huge amount of learnings for you both throughout your careers. So I'd like, love to hear from each of you on what some of those have been um, when it comes to scaling teams and people practices in particular, especially at that sort of startup scale up phase. So I think one of the learnings that has proven fruitful for me as a leader is when you find somebody that um, has initiative and has ambition, no matter what their prior experience is or was, what their age is, you have to promote them and empower them with reckless abandon to give them more and more over time um, because that's the fastest way to scale your organization is by delegating and empowering other people. I think a lot of organizations are too quick to look at somebody's resume or their age and say, oh, they're not ready for this. Uh, and they forget that people like Mark Zuckerberg were running Facebook, uh, you know, yeah. a multi-billion dollar company who's 26 years old. Um, but for some reason, the 26 year old that works for you, you don't think can do it. And Correct. you'll invest in that company, but you won't invest in your own people, right? And I think when we've done that, uh, nine times out of 10, it works out better than hiring, you know, a, a highly paid executive from another company that might expect yeah. to come into the office and put their feet on the desk and wait for things to happen. So uh, that's been a huge, um, I think, boom to our success is really empowering other people. That's really refreshing to hear, actually, because I've seen that as being some of the biggest challenges I've seen in previous roles. It's good to hear you doing that. And, and um, from your perspective, from your side, Anthony, what, what would you say has been your sort of biggest learnings or lessons in this situation? I, for me, it's really, you know, it's, it's managing the growth, right? Like, you know, a lot of when you're a startup company and you have an infusion of capital, you know, you're, the expectation is that you're hiring quickly. Um, and I think, you know, oftentimes when you're hiring quickly, things tend to fall through the cracks, right? Or, or you, your, your rigor around hiring becomes less. And I think continuing that rigor around recruiting uh, and starting that at the very beginning and making sure that you're hiring folks, like the, the unique opportunity in a company like Suzy is that you get, and, and I use a an orchestra uh, analogy here is you get to be both maestro and violinist. Like, you know, in one day you're actually doing some tactical work on another day, you're, you're trying to make sure the orchestra's playing in concert 
with each other. And, and that's really what leadership and, and even like Matt talked about, employees have an opportunity here to do that stuff. And, and I do, you know, when we're, we're talking about onboarding, uh, particularly here at Suzy, we talk about the idea of initiative, right? That, that people at, in any part of the organization can step up, identify issues and bring it to our attention. And even sometimes we delegate it back to them. So I think it's making, you know, culture, obviously everyone's been talking about it. If you ask anybody, they have different definitions, but for me, it's making sure Sure, you know, we have a framework here called Radical Candor, a book by, uh, written by Kim Scott, uh, which is care personally and challenge directly. So I think you consistently build that culture as you scale, but don't mm-hmm. lose sight of that. Like, you know, and, and, and you got to make tough decisions when someone is not fitting in that culture uh, or in that framework. Uh, you have to make tough decisions as an organization. I think we've, we've done that. And I've done that in my career. So I think that's a key, key factor, especially when you're scaling. Thank you. And and when you look at this, um, the, the practice around fast growing companies, do you think there are any myths that need to be busted when it comes to people practices in an organization of scaling like yours and, and any pitfalls you think really need to be avoided? I think one of the myths is that you need to hire people that have done what you're trying to do in the past. Sometimes that works, but I think that myth, oh, you need to hire somebody that was at Google or Facebook prior, that, that's going to solve your problems. And my experience is that does not solve your problems. Um, if you equate the business somebody is at to the success of that business versus their aptitude to be a core driver and a catalyst of your organization, I think it's a, it's a mistake. And I think, you know, I've never built a SaaS company before. So under that premise, I shouldn't have my job. Um, and maybe I shouldn't, but I think that most people who built successful companies, especially in software, have done it for the first time. You know, nine out of 10 software CEOs are first-time founders that build great companies. They're not people who necessarily have done it before. Now, I have created another uh, business from an entrepreneurial standpoint, but it was a completely different business model. So I think that often you're pushed into that um, area, and I'd rather build talent, you know, who are in the upswing of their career with something to prove um, that are ambitious versus people who might feel like, that, you know, they've already done it and, and come on board with the not invented here syndrome. Absolutely agree. Um, Anthony, from your side, any thoughts on that at all? Um, Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, for, I think, you know, I talked about the Rolex comment, right? Like, I think it's from a people or an HR perspective, I think oftentimes when you're in a company in the same vein that Matt's talking about, where you're, you're trying to create parity to the Googles and the Facebooks of the world, right? So a lot of folks, uh, in, particularly in the HR space, will, you know, Google does something like OKRs, now everyone, it might not be right for your organization. So I think it's not only adopting what Matt is talking about, which is finding folks that have that experience, but also looking at companies and benchmarking. You know, Matt talks about, uh, and, and uh, he has a great example of the Michael Phelps, right? I think it's a famous photo where Michael Phelps is like two body lengths ahead of his next competitor and he's looking straight and his competitor is looking at Michael Phelps, right? So it's like, let's, you know, obviously it's important to know what folks are doing, but from an HR perspective, set the standard. Don't don't go to the Google. So I think oftentimes, you know, and Perks is a great example, right? Google, everyone gets free food. We, it's not what people want. We we survey folks. We know what they want, and we're going to deliver those things. And to me, I think it's 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 you know trying to be like Google, especially from an HR perspective, often does not work. You have to be like you, like Susie. We have to do our own thing, and I think that's a big pitfall. When you look at the um, 
you know, around the sort of myths and the, the and the pitfalls that you finally get. When opening startups, the biggest challenge they've had when they've been growing at pace is being able to keep true to themselves, not to go to the root of a, like say, Google or somewhere like that. Um, but also to try and keep that culture strong when it's at, when it's at risk of fracturing. Um, when you're growing at pace, how have you managed to sort of maintain the culture and the focus for, for Susie? And happy for either one of you or both of you to have a show. I mean, well, it's definitely hard in a remote environment. I think that, you know, you need to make sure that people understand, who, or especially people who are during the onboarding process, what your values and your mission is, what your goals of your organization is, um, what behaviors you stand for and support, ones that you have no tolerance for, um, and the types of people you hire really are indicative of the culture. Because essentially, culture is about relationships. So, you know, when I started the company, I had relationships with our top six or seven execs, and the culture I believed in became the culture that they were, and of course, they give me feedback as well, but as a group, we create the culture. And it's up to us to hire people that will espouse that culture within the organization. But the second as you go down the chain, as you scale, you start to look away from that. And maybe you hire somebody that you that could be productive for your organization, but maybe not right for culture. Or then you're creating a, a broken um, link in that chain. And then they might be hiring a team that can be really toxic to your culture. So you have to be very careful as you hire people that, you know, th that they understand the type of business that you want to create, the type of culture you want to build so they can embrace it and essentially spread it as they hire people who work for them. Yeah, okay. Good, that's, that's good to hear. Susie's also been named one of the um, building NYC's best places to work for 2022, um, as well as the magazine um, accolade you mentioned <laughs> earlier on. So you've clearly built an environment that is appreciated by your people and incredibly well recognized by the industry, which is quite some achievement. Matt, what does that look like in reality? What elements of the people experience at Susie do you think have contributed most towards this? Well, I think Anthony is a big driver of it. He's, he's really, I, I mean, I think he's excellent at what he does. And he's somebody who, you know, myself as an entrepreneur, I'm always thinking about the business and the numbers. Um, you know, I'm waking up in the morning and looking at our revenue growth and I'm looking at our customer growth and our retention and things like that. And often what I think entrepreneurs do is when they do that, they forget about the most important asset they have, which is their people. So, and, and when you overlook your people, you know, you're overlooking the biggest arbiter of your future success. And I've been fortunate enough to bring Anthony on board who wakes up every morning thinking about just that and, and puts as much passion and energy and creativity towards, towards our people as I put into, you know, our customers and our business overall. And I think because of that, we've been able to be very detail oriented, um, you know, be super attentive to people's needs, uh, you know, have a, have an employee centric organization where, as Anthony said, we're pulsing consumers constantly and we're largely in touch. And when you're in touch, you at least know what the issues are and you can respond to it. Where I think because a lot of CEOs and leaders are so focused on the business results, over time they become out of touch. And the second you become yeah. out of touch is the second that, you know, th that you're at risk for your culture eroding and your workplace eroding. So Anthony, um, when you look at everything that um, Matt just said there, um, what was perhaps the most challenging aspect to implement or put into practice? You know, for it, it's especially when you're when you're pulsing employees on a regular basis. Um, you know, a lot of times, and, and we get both 
quantitative and qualitative feedback. And we do it across three different, well, actually four different pillars now, but engagement, diversity, and inclusion, health and well-being, and now what we call psychological safety. Um, and the, the hardest part is really getting the feedback. Right. So you're you're looking at the numbers and, and you're looking at trends and numbers and the really great thing and the solution that we have where, you know, much like Susie, we can really dive into the data. Oftentimes you can get lost in it and really double click and find attributes and, and slice the data in a couple of different ways. So I, I, I totally get geeked out on that stuff. And then you start looking at the comments and you're like, I, you know, like I am a terrible head of people. <laughs> uh, this is, the, you know, like it's and 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 oftentimes, and I will say, you know, for our organization, we've been very cognizant of making sure that it's, you know, people can vent, but it's constructive, right? Matt talked yep. very recently in our all hands about, you know, great, we want to get your feedback, but do you have an idea, like, you know, that initiative piece? So, and I think, you know, Matt and I can can look through this stuff, and I send Matt the comments every week, and he looks through every single one of them, which is again, I think having a CEO like Matt. In most of my career, I've been pushing water up a hill with CEOs, trying to sort of just, yeah. in, you know, like, hey, here's the data. This is important. This is going to help our, it's not, Matt just has the instinct. And that's why I was brought in early on, which is great. But then it's the leaders, right? Like now training your leaders to listen, training your leaders to check in with their employees, especially now in a, re a remote environment where they don't get to see us, you know, they get to see us on an all hands Zoom every two weeks. So um, I think it's, it's really like Matt said, hiring the right leaders, but then training them and getting them used to the fact that we are going to ask employees every two weeks how they're doing. And by the way, it's for them. It's there. It's not an HR system. It's democratized to them so they can get better, right? That they can get the feedback. So, um, so that's the hardest part is really translating a lot of these things to the next level of leadership. And that's always going to be the case in, in, in all organizations, whether you're growing or not. You mentioned a moment ago that sometimes getting that feedback is tough and it is great that you're doing it too weekly. Lots of startups are starting to look at that now. Um, but how are, you, how, are you, how are you making sure encouraging or engaging the employees that they actually feel, well, they feel the need to and they want to give you that feedback? Well, I, I think, you know, they, there's a, a lot of folks, particularly in market research, that talk about survey fatigue, even in employee engagement. But the reality is it's not getting a survey over and over again that creates the fatigue it's the inaction and so for us um perfect example of this is we we instituted a new health and wellness stipend benefit for 2022 so we're giving every employee which is incredibly generous a stipend to go out and and you know they could put it against a peloton although i don't you know <laughs> who knows where that is with, with recent <laughs> events but a mirror whatever it is a fitbit where they can go get you know yoga classes whatever it is and, and Matt and I didn't make that up. We got that from our feedback. So I think for us, it's not only getting and listening to the feedback, filtering out some of the noise or responding to it, um, but also taking action. And the tool that we have allows you to have anonymous discussions with the employee that provides a comment. So a lot of times where you where most tools, you just get the comment and you look at it and you're like, I have no idea what this means. I actually can respond. And I do to every comment, either I say, thank you, as just a way to sort of read comment, or I actually respond back and say, I don't quite understand what you're saying. Can you give me more feedback? It's that intention and that detail for, you know, and Matt looking at, at comments and then being transparent in all hands meetings and making these changes. That's how, again, this is, this is not rocket scientists, uh, you know, a failed accountant wouldn't be able to do this. So, uh, 
it's it's really basic and it's a lot of just really intention like what is what is your intention with this thing and how do you make change great great i know you have ambitious plans to grow your team by almost 70 percent by the end of 2022 so how are you approaching this and what do you foresee as being some of the biggest challenges so our hiring plans always driven by our goals. We're very goal-oriented. So we have goals around people. We have goals around our, our CrowdTap audience. We have goals around our product. We have goals around our revenue. Um, and basically, we start with our goals and we figure out department by department the, the human resources needed to achieve those goals. And that's really what builds our hiring plan. Excellent. Okay. And for both of you, if there was one thing that you could wave a magic wand that and fixed when it comes to people and talent, what would that be? You want to take this, Andy? COVID testing. Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. I mean, you know, can we wipe out a pandemic? I mean, you know, the interesting thing, particularly in HR, I was talking, I'm, I'm part of a CPO group. And it's like, you know, and, and I love it because give me more stuff to do. I, I love HR now, you know, with Matt, it, it always had a seat at the table, but from an industry perspective, HR was always a second thought. Now we're like chief medical officers and we're pandemic relief folks and we're figuring out employee experience. So I think part of it is, is I say it jokingly, but obviously getting rid of a global pandemic is, is not only good for people, but for business. Um, but we've, we've scaled. Uh, during this, you know, we've scaled, we've been successful, and we continue to to be. Um, I, you know, for me, I think it's it goes back again to the leadership. It's um, if I could wave a wand, every every leader would be a great leader. Like to me, Matt gave me credit for the HR and people, and I do appreciate that. But I have to give credit to our people leaders. Like to me, without that's our first line of defense when we think about our our people scores and our engagement scores. And if they're not good, we're not good. I'm not good. I'm not doing my job. So for me, the wand would be just hiring great people leaders and have them train to just be naturally great with people, check in, think about their growth. And, you know, newer leaders don't, and even some experienced leaders don't. And so we, that's why I'm here. I have to make sure to remind them and train them. And it sounds like you're, you're very big on this and the way to sort of lead people and engage people from the top down here. So Looking at that leadership thing, just briefly, what, what to you and Susie makes a good leader in your organization? I'd say somebody who takes initiative. Somebody who doesn't wait to be told what to be done, but finds opportunities and go out, goes out and grabs them and executes. A couple of sort of slightly more informal questions to bring our chat to a close here today. So is there anything that you're super passionate about that you really um, find joy in? You know, this can be, of course, professional, personal, or both then we'll look at i mean i find joy in a lots of things i find joy in traveling i love spending time with my kids um i love getting outdoors and doing things like hiking um i love writing and really innovating uh both you know business on a business uh, standpoint and a personal standpoint excellent and auntie what about yourself uh, kind of same thing, you know, family, obviously three kids, I have a daughter in college now, so it's, I'm getting the, you know, college experience again, uh, but with someone that was much smarter uh, than I was in college, um, you know, it's that riding, you know, riding a bike, I love, I mean, here in New York, it's just super cold now, so it's riding a Peloton, at least for now, but uh, riding my bike, I, 
I, I have a book coming out that Matt is uh, committed to writing oh, wow. a foreword on. So I'm excited about that. Um, and just getting that creative outlet out there. I, I also have a comic book series to encourage girls to pursue STEM called Ella the Engineer. We're actually pitching that to a couple of studios now for an animated series. It's just, it's, it's everything. It's all, but it, it's all foundationally comes to like the family at, at the core for me and, and really excited to just, and I love basketball. I, I am a basketball nut. And so constantly watching basketball. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you. And is there a thought, value or phrase that either of you live by? I would just say enjoy the journey. Love it. I'm going to steal uh, Adam Grant. Think again, right? The idea of, you know, when you're presented with new information or a new environment, you know, sometimes the old way of thinking of things or changing your POV. Some people call it flip-flopping. I call it thinking again. So that's kind of how I think about things. I like it. Excellent. Well, look, both, I really appreciate your time today. It's been really insightful, um, some really great stuff that you're talking about, and uh, I think our listeners are going to be quite impressed. So thank you very much for your time today. Thanks for having really us. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. Appreciate it. Take care. Take care. Thank you.